you guys, if you're all doing well, and apologies for lack of podcasts, and no real reason in particular, and I travelled from um, altitude camp and back to train at sea level, and this was kind of, it's, obviously it's been a very confusing time, and you're allowed to do certain things, you're not allowed to do other things when it comes to travel. You know, for example, I wasn't I wasn't allowed to defend, you know, my Irish national championships, which like probably isn't a big deal, but at the same time, like, you know, it seems a bit life is the way it is right now. There's rules. Um I think it's frustrating that some races are allowing um, athletes to race if you present the likes of, you know, COVID test and it's a, you know, a negative test, you're allowed to, you know, essentially fly in. There would have been nothing stopping um, an organization like Athletics Ireland um, asking athletes within two weeks of the race to, you know, do a COVID test and then two days before the race doing another test and isolating themselves in like a race hotel. Um, it might not have been for everybody, but for example, I would have been more than willing to put myself in the Crown Plaza Hotel in Sanctuary for two days, having done a test two weeks before, which was negative, and having done a test 48 hours before the race upon arriving at the hotel. These are These are things that exist. This is the world we live in now. I have an at-home COVID kit sitting that I need to do today, which then gets sent to a lab, which then is fed back to James McElroy and the race half marathon, which exists next week. Um, so, yeah, look, everything's changing. Um, I probably had a, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to call it like a panic attack or anything like that, but I woke up. France, there's a lot going on, a, a lot of things changing all the time, um, and and the 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 what may have changed would be that a race which I wanted to do, which was the half marathon, um, with it being two weeks, um, it was it was pretty much two weeks. Friday morning, um, two weeks. If I didn't leave France on the Friday. Um, I essentially, there might have been a situation whereby you'd be told that you can't race. And some organizers of races have been really good about letting people know well in advance. Others haven't been. Now, this isn't a podcast about me complaining about races. It just is what it is. Um, so that was it. I came back to the UK, put myself um in a comfortable environment here, a place where I can train and train well and um, probably as good a setup as, you know, what you have up in Font, but it, you just don't have altitude. Um, so I thought it was a good, it was a good stint up at altitude. Like you never really know exactly how fit you are. Um, I, I had done, I had done some stuff like some of the long runs with Mo. They were really impressive. Um, some like some tempo type stuff, like I did eight miles and I averaged some five minute mile pace. Um, that's always impressive. But 
the the confusion would be that you, because it's five or six thousand feet, depending on if you're at the track or if you're at the lake, you don't know, like, am I really fit? And so, actually, if I was at sea level, these times would be a lot faster. Or am I um, am I just handling altitude really well? There's at altitude, there's too many like variables. You don't know if you're just handling altitude better. Your fucking Garmin might not have worked, etc., etc. There's a lot going on, so it's always hard to tell. But I kind of like that because then it means you almost act a little bit, and I'm going to use the word like insecure, but like there's a little you're on edge, you're not sure, so you just work really hard. You just you assume the worst. You assume your Garmin didn't work. You assume you're handling altitude really well. So just fucking if you work even harder, you know it'll convert well. Um, but it's five weeks, pretty much 90 to 100 mile a week, something like that. Um, lots of good stuff, lots of good training, hard track stuff, um, which probably I've lacked recently. Um, I'm, I always, always have favored like tempo type stuff where I'm a lot more in control versus, you know, you know, I'm at, like, like you're out on a Sunday, you're putting in 20 mile, you're, you're, averaging pretty fast you know within 20 seconds of your current marathon pb at 6,000 feet altitude and then you're coming back on a tuesday and you're on the track and you're running reps faster than your current probably 3k to 5k pb and it's fucking hard i can tell you it's really hard so it was a really good and hard and probably super aggressive five weeks which came after a longish period of like you couldn't plan it better you literally couldn't have planned it better if you were if you were planning an attack on a really fast marathon and you looked at my last four years of pretty consistent training you might have actually planned you know what i want you to take two to three months a little bit easier allow everything to settle down let the body relax and then what we're going to do is we're going to do a really hard aggressive five weeks at altitude and then essentially you're gonna not start tapering from like four or five weeks to go but just settle things down which is kind of what's happening now um i decided to race the antrim coast half marathon and i i was i was really unsure what to do in the best possible way ever like i i I, you know, this will probably be the first time I've mentioned it on the podcast, but like I, I truly believe this is the build-up where I can break like two hours ten for the marathon. Um, there's lots of there's lots of training and like you know good feeling within my body and mind that tells me that that's well, well, well within my capabilities, and I really mean that. I'll explain that in a second, but it meant that trying to make a decision about what to do having left altitude until race day became super important because what you don't want to do is anything every decision you're making between now and london had to be about the marathon because it's not every day that you're fit enough to break 210 and it's not every day that you have the mental belief when i say i've got the mental belief it's like i know it for a fact and that's crazy. I don't even know how. Actually, I do. But I just know. I know it's there. I know 
and capable. Um, and so I don't want that to sound really arrogant and understand that I'm a very experienced marathon runner. I know what I'm capable of. I know what I've produced in the past based off of certain training. I know what results I've been capable of doing then. I know what sort of heart rate I can sustain for a marathon. And then if I'm producing similar in training, what that means. And, you know, five days before Dublin marathon, I sent an email to the physiologist that helps me and said, you know, the the heart rate and the speed and the numbers are suggesting I could run 211 or 212. But of course, Dublin's a hilly course. So, but I remember in that email actually specifying that that's fucking frightening. <laughs> and that, at the time it was, at the time 211, 212 was, it, it would have been a big step forward for me, you know. Previous personal best was 214.30. Um, so to be writing an email saying, you know what these numbers mean, these numbers, heart rate, speed, means 211, like, that's frightening. Um, so you can imagine my excitement when I come back from altitude um, I don't taper, you know, there was no taper whatsoever. I did a tempo run in the park. Um I'd already I had I'd came back from altitude. I had been running anything from I would say minimum fourteen miles. The previous three days had been a minimum of like I said, fourteen miles, but a maximum of twenty one. So it was something like 14, 17, 21, 17 for four days. Pretty, pretty tough going. I came down from altitude. I go into the park. I do a 12 mile. The, the goal was to do 12 miles at the kind of heart rate that I would expect to be sitting at for the first half of a marathon. Um, and you know, I didn't, what I was planning to do was just do, it's a three mile loop like a horseshoe you go around this like horseshoe which is about a mile mile and a half mile and three quarters on a gravel path and it's not fast it's it's flat but you know the difference between if you're running on road and if you're running on gravel because gravel you slip a bit it's uneven so you're a little bit up a little bit down etc etc on the road hard fast compact so i knew I knew it wasn't going to be perfect, but I knew it was going to be very good. And um, there was very little wind. It was a lovely day. It was a great day to do it. So off I went. I decided that I wouldn't really, I wouldn't look at my watch too much. I just like, I was actually being insecure as fuck. Like <laughs> I hadn't felt great. I got to tell you, I, from leaving altitude, I hadn't felt good. I did a long run and I was just struggling. I was slower than what I would have been up at altitude. and. I just didn't feel good. I was feel, and that, but that's normal. That's that's absolutely normal. That's what happens when you leave altitude. Um, so off I go and cut a long story short, it was fucking magical. Like I, I, I had to stand when I finished. I, I literally, I thought I could have done fifteen mile. I was like, should I do fifteen? And then I was like, should I just do twenty? Um. It was it was just a magical magical morning, um, and I think it's a testament to all the hard work that was put in in Bont and um, hard work in the gym, hard work on the track, 
hard work on the long runs, um, a lot of good stuff. But essentially, it was it was fucking really scary. Um, and again, I, I say in the nicest possible way, really scary. Um, and I, I don't want to build too much excitement and drama and things like this. I, I, I needed everything to calm down because, you know, I ended up averaging, I think, 450 per mile, which, you know, if you do the maths, it's, it's not sub 210. It's, it's fucking like 207. Like, and, you know, the heart rate was exactly the heart rate that I run for a marathon. The effort felt exactly how marathon effort kind of feels like. It's not easy, but it's comfortable. You know you're in a good place. Um, and I finished, and I, I had to kind of stand there. like, And, you know, I know the loop. I know where the mile markers are. I've used it for years, you know. There's nothing new there. Um, and I kind of just stood there, and I was like, like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> you know, it was, oh, and I mean that in literally the nice possible way. I, I was shocked. I, because everything had been at altitude, you know, before I left altitude, I didn't think I was that fit. I, I put in all this hard work at altitude, and, and I mean hard work, like, one of the Sunday 20 milers, like, I I was that fucked when Mo's watch stopped at 20 mile, even though mine said, like, 19.92, I was like, fuck that, I'm done, and I, I stopped, and I was so tired, like, I, I that was a really tough camp for me, Um but yeah, my first thought was, like, you can take 210 and burn it. I'm going to run 207. Um, and then, like, of course, everything had to just calm down because, like, you, you get days like that, you know. Maybe that was my day. That's the tough thing about running. You know, you, you have to produce the goods on a day. Um, but look, it's not a bad thing. It was a really nice thing. It was a really great um great day it gave me a lot of confidence it showed me that you know i'm i'm well capable of running faster and i think i knew that i think a lot of people that follow the podcast would have knew that and um you know i've ran 211 on a really windy day in houston you know of course if you can do that i don't think people quite understand how hard the wind was that day and the next thing i'm gonna go on to say is i i don't think I think for a lot of my marathons, I've done a really shitty job at like the final three, four weeks. I think, I think I do a great job of getting super fit and super strong. And it happens every build up. Every build up, there's something really exciting building. You know, I like think back to before Houston. You might remember me mentioned on the podcast that I did and it was like a 24 mile run or 22. And I did, it was something like 12 miles at 540 and then the final 10 at like 455 it was it was super super impressive but somehow three to four weeks later i i ended up feeling worse on the start line of houston and it's an accumulation of training too hard it's an accumulation of 10 days before the race injuring my adductor by pushing too hard and i think i've I've always done a shitty job of finishing the job off. I do a really good job of setting it up and I push hard and I train aggressively and I live the lifestyle and I nap and I do all these things. And then it gets a three, four weeks to go and I'm awful. 
at just coasting in. That's what I'm starting to call it. The, the phase, the last three to four weeks, is all about just coasting in. You've done the hard work. Now just allow what's going to be, allow it to be. Don't, don't try to prove your fitness every time you train. Don't try to train too much. Don't get insecure and think you're going to lose your fitness, so you have to keep pushing. Just coast in and allow. And I'm, I'm going to speak more about that in a second because this transfers into life. And so if you, like me, make mistakes in those final four weeks, it, it, it probably transfers into life whereby I'm, I'm also very good in life at fixing things that, you know, I might have potentially made a bit of a, I don't know, call it a little bit of a, a balls up of, you know, there's times in life where I've made a bit of a, bit of a balls up and, um, you know, I've, I've really worked hard to achieve something, whether it's scholarship to America, whether it's, um, something to do with education, whether it's a relationship with a female, like you get the idea, you know, I've, I've often found myself in life where I've got the hard part and I've done it really well and I've figured it out and, and then it gets to like, okay, now that you've put in all the hard work, all you have to do now is enjoy, almost like enjoy your victory lap and, and I always fuck it up. I always have a way of just like, <laughs> like fucking it up. Um, and I, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like laughing about that, but at the same time, oh, somebody sent me headphones. That's interesting. Um, so I got headphones, but I was supposed to get a race vest. Sorry, I just got very distracted. Um, yeah, no, I have this way, uh, like I just said, um, fucking things up a little bit. Um, and, and that's okay, like I've kind of, I kind of got used to it by now. Um, like I've kind of just, but it's not, it's not okay actually, sorry, I'm, I'm distracted because I'm opening up the headphones. Uh, I'm really excited about these, by the way, I got a pair of like Jaybird headphones, but they got delivered to Flagstaff like months ago. I mean like probably like four months ago and I've been so excited about Pass and over. Thanks very much, Pass. But yeah, look, so what, what I was getting to there was, um, I, I've, I've realized, and I've realized this quite recently, as in, I had to take a step back after Houston Marathon. And, and I have to thank Rob Demney for this, actually, because for the first time, I asked somebody for, like, probably, I asked someone to help me review, like, everything that happened. So... We were trying. We were trying to figure out how the how the fuck can you go to Doha, race Doha, get a tooth pulled out because you have a tooth infection, go on antibiotics for ten days, have a week's holiday in fucking North Carolina, fly something stupid like forty two hours in the final two weeks before Dublin Marathon, go to Dublin having ran. I think my four weeks before Dublin Marathon is something like. <coughs> 30 mile in Doha, race the marathon, 15 mile in North Carolina was one of the weeks, and then something like 50 in Belfast, 50 in Belfast, and then race Dublin. How do you go and run 2.12.01 in 
then somehow train way better, way smarter, way harder for Houston. But go to Houston and, and see worse than you did on the day at Dublin. You know, it's kind of like, what the fuck? Like, I, it was confusing. And, that, and that's sometimes the way running is, but, but actually it doesn't need to be. Um, what I'm learning is you, you can actually simplify it and you can actually, um, like, I guess call it analyze, review, things like this. Like, ha- have a look at what you've been doing. Analyze, review. Have a look. Figure out what worked, what didn't, and then step forward. So the the next thing I'm going to tell you is I then asked Rob for, obviously I asked for help during lockdown. Um, we found it tough when I was training with people or training away to find, to find a recipe that would work, you could say, because I like... I love being able to jump in with people, and I think that's a really normal thing. It's not. It's not personal. It's nothing to do with. But I'll, but also like if you're asking a coach to set you a month's training, and then three times a week you're not doing what's set, and you're jumping in with another group, it's unfair. So there was there was periods where Rob was helping, and then there was there was periods where we decided the best thing was actually just to crack on. Um, you know, with with wherever I was and whatever, with whatever group, if, if it was possible. But one of the key things here is I asked Rob to really help with the final four weeks preparation. And I think I, I just don't think I'm there yet when it comes to knowing you should when if you're going to be a very good marathon runner, you should have a tried and tested team. You just know what works for you. You just know, right? And and you're confident in it, and you know that it extracts the best possible result. It doesn't. The key here is it. You don't want it to. You don't want it to extract a good result. You want it to extract the best possible result that. Whatever your fitness, whatever day you went and did a training session and it was your best one, on the day of the marathon, you have to feel even better than that. And that's that's probably the difference between an athlete that will go on and medal and an athlete that will just run consistently good marathons. And so that's where it's at. You you run 12 miles in the park. Had I Had I probably ran another mile and a bit I might have been very close to my half marathon PB but literally my heart rate was lower my heart rate was lower than what it would have been at halfway in Houston that's a fact I can tell you that for a fact right now um so the the key is finish except the fitness has got to a place that it's never been before take a step back calm everything the fuck down don't get all excited. I got so excited. I was literally having a fucking panic attack in the house. I was like, I can't handle this. This is too much for me. Like, what does this mean? What do I do? Do I have to change things? Do I have to, I had to really take a step back. I had to calm everything down. I spoke to people that I trust and, and we made some decisions. The big decision was, do you do the Antrim Coast half marathon? What do you gain from it? Et cetera, et cetera. The final decision came down to the fact that it's arguably the best half marathon race that might ever exist in 
Belfast in Ireland. Um, <laughs> I'm the fittest I've ever been. Why would I not race? You know, that was that kind of that became a simple decision. Um, and so that was the first decision. The second decision was how would the training look either side of the half marathon? And then what could I do in training between now and London that would make sure that I achieve the the result that I deserve at London? Um, and so there's a lot going on. But um, that's just sport. Like, life's really good. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm doing... I'm, I'm, I think I'm happy, you know, like, um, obviously I'm delighted with the fitness. I'm delighted that, um, the France trip paid off. I'm, I'm delighted that I committed to it. Um, but I'm trying to work on the fact that I'm so impulsive. Um, that's something I'm really trying to work on. I think, I think ultimately when I fuck the last three to four weeks up before a marathon, you guys see a final result that is pretty solid. Really good, actually. That's cheeky of me to say solid. But I don't think we've seen what I'm capable of because I think anyone that knows me and really knows me would know that I say things like, I'm going to spend the next six weeks in Belfast because it's really going to help for all these reasons. And then next thing you know, I'm on a flight to Flagstaff. And it's like, what the fuck? So I have a feeling that impulsive behavior is linked to something that's going on within me. It's like a fear, right? I wake up with like, I don't, I don't plan to fuck things up. Nobody does, right? None of us, none of us wake up and say, you know what I could do today? I could, I could basically just. I've, I've been planning for months this amazing build-up for Houston. I could probably fuck that all up today. That's a brilliant idea. Nobody does that. Nobody thinks like that. But instead, what will happen to me is I'll wake up with, like, anxiety, like, fear, like, worry, worry that I've done something wrong, worry that I need to change the plan, worry that, you know, something's better, and... I act on it impulsively, almost instantly, because the, the feelings that come, and everyone will have experienced this, what tends to happen is I get this idea that I needed to make a decision right now, like right this second. If I don't, if I don't make a decision right this second and act on it, this, this is, it's all going to go wrong. And so then what tends to happen is I literally book a flight that could be within an hour of having this feeling and this rush or whatever the feck it is. And next thing you know, I'm in Dublin airport, I'm on a plane to flag or vice versa. I'm leaving flag. And, you know, I've gone as far as been sitting in Flagstaff airport and told the flight attendant that, you know, there's been an emergency. I, I need to, I need to not fly. And then I'm back. Then I'm back in my bedroom in Hass's house. And I'm like, Stephen, what? What just happened? Like, you know, like, how did that come about? Like, how, where did that come from? And the honest answer is, I, I don't know. But um, it's something I'm working on. You guys might have read a, a tweet or whatever where I, you know, I, I, I opened up to the fact that, you know, four years ago I was on antidepressants. And there's, there's underlying issues. There's things going on that I'm not, I'm not super proud of. 
I suppose you could say. It's not. It's nothing that I did. I I haven't done anything wrong. Um, I've just lived through things, and um, I just yeah, I've just lived through little things that um have played a role in impacting my life in ways that I I perhaps I'm not proud of. I. I don't live with sadness. I'm not a sad person. I don't wake up and think I feel sad or lonely. But I often wake up and wish I didn't act impulsively at times. I wish I didn't say certain things in impulsive ways. And I'll have to then live with that. So that's not living with sadness. That's just you have to live with the consequences of your impulsive decisions. Um, I've got really good at it. <laughs> you know, I, I make a decision. I commit. I'm, I'm, I might regret it. But... I make the most of it, whether that means flying to a place and within a day of flying there, setting up a group I can train with, setting up a physio appointment, etc., etc. But it also means because my brain operates at 100 miles an hour, I might make a decision, think I'm going to make a decision to go somewhere, have already booked physio, have already set up accommodation in that place, and then impulsively change my mind and have to cancel on those people so look um like i say i'm locking on um i'm working on that i'm actually you know i i i, I openly suggested you know four years ago i went on antidepressants um that was just to calm everything down i think i think four years ago i was a lot less calm than maybe what i am now but at the same time there's still impulsive decisions being made that is impacting my sporting career and then definitely impacting my personal and, you know, my life. And I, to be truthfully honest, I want that to stop happening. So um, acceptance and, sorry, this sniff like that, speaking. sometimes acceptance uh, and accountability where you decide this is something that I need to take care of there might be professionals that could help. And this time it won't be sports professionals. It will be, it might actually be like, I, I spoke to the doctor and I, I'm not laughing here because this is a funny thing. It's just, sport's always been really easy for me. I find sport, I find marathons really, really easy. I find training really, really easy. I, I find life really, really hard. You know, sometimes it's socializing, sometimes it's relationships, sometimes it's, friends, family, I find that really hard, and I mean that, like, I, I really struggle, um, it doesn't mean I'm not good at it, but sometimes I find it really hard, um, and so I, I think I'm going to start speaking with a, like, clinical psychiatrist, and I think we're going to unravel a lot of things that I'd probably prefer not to unravel, but that, that will be very, very useful for me and my life and my life moving forward um, I think it could open up a lot of doors to more happiness to more maybe forgiveness myself others um, and it might really lead to ultimately the goal would be to become a better athlete but but the the other goal for everybody should be to become a better person and so I think it's going to help sport because hopefully less impulsive decisions. Some impulsive decisions, which might be the Font Remote trip, can lead to your most successful races ever. But often, 
one incorrect impulsive decision in the last two to three weeks before a marathon, as I found out, can lead to injury, can lead to fucking things up very quickly. And then when you bring it to life, you cannot be making impulsive decisions in life or you just let people down. And you can only let people down for so long. And then you have to, you know, take responsibility for that and accountability. So I'm all about bettering myself. I'm, I'm in a great place, but I think there's always things I can improve on. I think there's always things I want to work on. I always want to be a better person. Um, I always want to be continuing to learn more about myself, learn more about my actions, learn more about why I do certain things, react in certain ways. It's not set in stone, guys. You know, you can you can fix these things, you know. And um, I was speaking to a doctor recently, and I got pretty worked up. And, like, you know, I, I said, like, you know, what's more important, that you go and run a, you know, a two-a-weight marathon, or, or you know that you're, that you're okay, that your head's okay, that you're happy, and you're in a good place. And it was a sports doctor from home, and, um, sports not everything. It's a really cool thing, and I'm so grateful that it is going well. And, and actually, maybe I'm not, you know, grateful enough because I am very, you know, blessed. And um, I know I work hard, but so do, well, there's a lot of us work hard in sport, and we don't have the same results. So look, I, I am very blessed and very grateful. But you know, I, I, there's also I also have a few issues upstairs that need worked out and maybe a few demons buried that need to be unraveled and understood a bit better and I think once that happens and I, I've, I've never ever spoke to someone about life and you know things that have maybe happened or things that have upset me or hurt me or um I think that's going to be really important but I, I just think it's an important topic to be okay with like I listened to a podcast where an old athlete an ex-rugby player talked about if you open up about having demons or you know speaking to a psychiatrist it doesn't mean does it first of all we're all a bit mental so I'm, I was about to say it doesn't mean you're mental but we're all a bit fucked up and and everybody is on different levels some people get so worked up that they can't park in the right parking space or some people get so worked up about the tiniest thing in the world but it's not to be judged it just is what it is not the, and also like not everything necessarily needs to be understood. Why you get upset about that parking space, or why you get upset about your Garmin lying to you, or not lying to you, telling you the wrong speed. <laughs> you know, like we. And I don't mean that we're all fucked up and we're all a bit mental in a bad way. It's just we're all unique. We all have things that tick us off. We all have things that make us happy. There's certain foods make you delighted. There's certain foods make other people want to turn their nose up and vomit. We're all unique. But what I'm trying to say is. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to admit some things about you are a bit fucked up. You know, fucked up to you, it's very normal. To somebody else, it might be like, wow, he's another, he's another. That's a mean word. And all I'm saying is if you have things that you need to talk to somebody about, yourself, loved ones, just do it. I'm, I'm opening myself up to be very vulnerable because ultimately I'm a 31-year-old man. And I hope I have 50 plus years left living. And I want to live. I want to be happy. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be worried. I don't want to be anxious. I just want to be happy. And I think the way to get there is through self-improvement. Is through being open to the fact that you're not perfect. 
you know, open to the fact that there might be things you have to let go of. And, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. So now I could go see a clinical psychiatrist and realize I was being very dramatic. Or I have a funny feeling when I start talking, which I guess has happened recently with a few doctors, there's going to be quite a lot to talk about. And, but ultimately, the end result is that I want to be able to let certain things go and be able to, I think, trust people more, be far less defensive, be far less impulsive, and far less wanting to just be alone and, and invite more people in and, and just be a, an all-round happier and, and, like I said, better person, more supportive for others and, and more caring for other people. Look, that's all for today. Sorry that I started throwing out phrases like 27208 in the marathon and then didn't really follow it up. <laughs> um, I think the fitness is there, but, you know, like I, I also think the fitness is there to run really fast in a half marathon, but weather plays a big role, competition plays a big role, um, everything that happens over the next three to four weeks before London plays a big role. There's still a lot of work to be put in, but one of the really good things is that I've seen it, I've seen that fitness, I've seen that I'm capable of producing that fitness, and that means at some point in the future, I'll produce that result. And you guys surely know by now, I don't talk bollocks. If I think I can fucking do something, and I predict that I will do something, chances are it has came from data that's backed up by results once upon a time. So... All I'm telling you is I ran 12 miles of marathon effort, a lower heart rate than I went through the first half of Houston Marathon, and all I can tell you is that the average was 450. That's, that's about all I can tell you. I don't know any more than that either right now, but if I can tell you that if on the day of London it's good weather and I can feel like I did that day and the heart rate can be where it's at, I'd be very fucking excited about what sort of speed that equates to. But... Time will tell. Um, so no, that's exciting. That's a really good thing. Now I just need to do the hardest thing for me, which is post in, taper things down, relax, don't get too worked up, don't get too stressed, just keep a lid on everything. But yeah, guys, look, take care, be good, be safe, be happy. One thing that I, I mentioned in the podcast before, but sometimes we're, sometimes we're trying to line things up in our life and set things up to go in a direction that could make us happy, make us feel content, make us feel safe, whatever it is. But often, it's already right with us. Often, we already have everything we need to be happy, everything we need right now. So, have a we think about that. See if you actually already have everything you need, and then just start embracing it, start enjoying it, start being more present with everything that you already have right now. All right, take care. Bye-bye.